<laughs> no. I'm like nervous. Every time we start a new book, I'm like, oh, praise Jesus, please take the wheel, please. Okay. <clears throat> Especially this book is so hard. Tedious. It's, it's just a very complicated book. And I'm thinking about the long haul of it. We're about to be in, in Isaiah for like a long time. You know, we've been in Kings and Chronicles a long time. Mm. It's about to happen with Isaiah. Mm. So I feel like I'm juggling. Okay. <clears throat> Hey, Father, how you doing? I'm doing well. So, what are we talking about this week? Okay, fun. Okay, I'll tell them. Call back later. <gasps> you guys, this week, we're going to talk about how to be in a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Welcome to another episode of Bible Stories with me, Brianda. Brianda. And of course, we got a new week. A new week with my work wife, La Clara NYC. Hello, babe. How are you? Oh, you know, oh gosh, it's just so exhausting being an artist in New York City, baby. Yeah. I'm wearing a turtleneck and I'm feeling conceptual. <laughs> <laughs> so are you. Oh my God, we're turtleneck twins. We're twins. And it's both of us are wearing black turtlenecks. I know. Look at us. Okay. I was telling Clara before we started that lately I've been trying to implement more of m like me, my my like street style on here. Mm -hmm. a, a, it's convenient for me. B, I love dressing up bubbly, like fun, like the character of Bible Brianda. But that's, uh, it's a lot, I'm stressed. Your girl's in a window of time, in a season that is very stressful. And I just gotta come as I am, you know what I'm saying? Um, I was telling her that I'm entering my, Michelle Lamy. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys know who Michelle Lamy is. If not, Clara, that's her. She's incredible. She's iconic. She is a supernova, out of this world, like just a fashion designer, icon, polymath. She does it all. She's married to uh, Rick Owens. Uh, the fashion babes know who these people are. They're incredible. They're uh, they're based in France. Michelle is French, nationalizada French. Uh, and uh, Rick was born in California and has been there for a really long time. Anyways, girl, I feel good. That's I feel good. really good. Are you going to tell them? Okay. Yes, I will. Uh, so I just booked a short film. Yay! And... I'm super excited because of the production that it's involved in. So a, a few years ago, uh, Netflix made it a point to funnel a lot of money into a Latino, international Latino films. Okay. And um, young filmmakers mm -hmm. in America making films, no matter where they come from, as long as they, they are uh, of Afro-Latino or indigenous descent. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> they award five to 10 different filmmakers, like X amount of money to create their own short films. Oh my God, that's what so a great, cool. it's kind of like a fellowship program, you know? And mm. and uh, 
this girl, actually, I know her for many years. We used to be rep by the same management. She won it last year or in 2021. And she's, she is in production. We're in, we're in production next week. Wow. And <clears throat> I want to, but what makes it even more special is, do y'all remember when on this, it's documented <laughs> when uh, I had lost out on this really dope uh, role and yeah. the HBO role. No, HBO was last. I lost out on a serious regular HBO test deal, but sure. that was actually, it may be a year next week or something. I don't know. It may be, a, I think so. Wow. Yeah. That would be really poetic in some like godly way. Anyways, uh, but no, it was another role because I haven't been, this was when I wasn't repped and I still am still not repped. I'm okay. only repped commercially mm. and uh, in print at my agency. So because I'm you are not, aware that only you know what that means, right? Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry, guys. I don't want to sound exclusionary. No. Is that a word? Yes, it is. Um, so actors have a rep are represented by agents and managers who manage their careers. Agents get you these appointments to audition for network shows, cable shows, TV programming, whatever you name it. Mm -hmm. uh, I. This is the first time in eight and a half years I'm not repped. I'm only repped commercially. Commercials. You guys know what commercials are. Oh, commercially are. means just like TV, advertising. Yeah, yeah, advertising. Okay. Advertising and castings. Sometimes I go in for print things for modeling, but like I don't book that because I'm not tall enough, but whatever. Uh, because I'm not repped though, all that's on my IMDb, the uh, intern, internet movie database where you find all the information okay. on Okay. You guys know what I'm talking the, about. The Google of job opportunities in movies? Uh, no, it's like a search engine for, oh. you put the TV show on it and then click cast and crew and then you can find the actors that you're looking for. People use it to uh, lo look up who actors are. So it's like the LinkedIn of yeah. actors. Yeah. I think, I think the listeners know what IMDb okay. is. That, that for sure they know. So this the girl who won the, the fellowship, mm -hmm. she moved out to LA, even though she's based out of New York, she was looking to cast this and she had like three weeks to go to do this. Or wow. a month, actually. No, it was a month. And she had a short list of people who she wanted for the main character of this role. And I was on her short list. However, wow. I don't have rep. I would have 100% been submitted for this because if you look, the, the specs of this character, like the breakdown is literally me. You, like, okay. so I knew that I would have been submitted, but I'm not repped. And I've also been on my internet grind. I've been on like trying to survive grind in New York <laughs> City, like doing my own thing. I'm, on other things, I'm trying to like, anyway, um, whatever. I'm, I don't want to go off on too many high tangies because we know me and we have a show to do. <laughs> uh, but they contacted my commercial agent because that's the only contact they had. Even mm. though she could have hit me up on DM, like on Instagram, but I think she wanted to have it be Make a little more professional. professional. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I've been so accustomed to being around internet people that like TV and film, they don't work that way. They do like to- More corporate. Also a union. I think there are union rules. Oh. I'm a union actor and it's a union project. So I think you have to abide by certain protocols. Right. Anywho, so they contacted my commercial agent. My commercial agent and I have been, he's been, we've been working together since I was, again, super freaking young. And he goes, Brianda, he is this gay Jewish man in New York City. He's like, weird thing. So uh, 
blank casting just called me for this role for you. And I told them that I just rep you commercially. But of course, you know, it's a tough it's a pandemic, Brianda, and I know you've been working so hard, so I'm just going to forward you the information. Is that okay? I'm telling you, Clara, I, in that moment, I wanted to say no, because I, I quit. Like, I've quit acting you said four you times. Could, yeah. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to. Like, um. And uh, he said, just take, just call her back. Call, give her a call back and then just take it from there, okay? So he gives me the number. I call. Lo and behold, it's a casting director who, again, I've known for years. And I was like, oh, my gosh, hey, that funny seeing you here. And I told her, she was, and she, she was like, Brianda, why aren't you being submitted? There's so many things that you haven't been submitted for. What's going on? And I, I let her know. I was like, well, you know. I was I'm, ready to quit. Yeah. Well, yeah. I also have my podcast. And I'm really like, I'm doing the internet thing. I, I want to get into hosting and presenting. Like, I... I'm kind of like venturing off, you know, it, it's been a rough, uh, you know, 10 years. Uh, <laughs> and she goes, well, listen, you've been shortlisted. There are a few girls on this list because they don't even have the time to audition too many people. Right. So yeah. she had a, they have a short list. Could you please tape for this? I kid you not. I was leaning on saying no. She goes, I'm going to let me just read that, read the script and then let's assess. Just read the script. Mm. This, this person is you. That's how they get you. Well, here's the thing. Don't say yes yet. Just have a look at no, it. No, no, no. I've read a lot excited. of crap scripts. This script is beautiful. Oh. It was beautiful. It was fun. It's it's what she describes it as. It's a comedy until it isn't. Mm. I mean. That's you. <laughs> I mean, come on. The proof uh, is in the failed acting career. Anyways, so, <laughs> so I said yes to it after I read the script. It was so lovely. And what? It's just a week of shooting. Come on, you know. So, just one week. Wow. Yeah. That's good. So, I mean, it's a short. It's a short film. So I'm telling you, it always gets me. But I bring this up to, to this. You guys, what a great little transition into my next topic before we get into the Bible story. What is it? Because I'm going to be, you know, diving into a new character, uh, the the title, uh, the protagonist character. I've never been a protagonist before. There's there's a lot going on here. Oh you know, God, I have to be super excited. present. It's really cool. Oh, I can't wait. I missed it so much, dude. Uh, can I come watch you? Just no, you can't. Because of Union, they have a small, the pandemic makes it really, yeah, I know, I know. But you'll see the film. Oh, it I'll won't just, come out until what, 2023? I'll just be there holding the waters. <laughs> just like makeshift a land. You're, I'm with the crew. They won't even see me. Just there. Like this. <laughs> oh, and you're such a proud mom too. I am. And I know this is small for like some of my like friends on like network Girl, TV this is shows. huge for me. This is like all I know about movies is what I see on TV. Un poco. It's okay. It's fun. It's a good it's a good role. It'll be good for That's the closest that I've been to Hollywood. Oh gosh. Okay. Stop. Stop. Anywho, anyhow, well, because I'm like, oh man, I want to, I've just been watching a ton of amazing films on my downtime or I'll watch clips and stuff. And lately, a lot of clips from you guys, you, you guys know how I feel about the show, Euphoria. <laughs> Your favorite pop, show. <laughs> yeah, my favorite <laughs> show. Um, well, just kidding, you guys know that I'm not too fond of it. 
because of the sexual nature of it, it's just too much. I don't even watch porn, you know what I mean? Uh, not to say that I don't like sex in sh in movies and shows that I watch. I just like it when it's, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little snobby about it. I don't watch crap stuff. I just don't, and that's, I'll watch my YouTube stuff. I'll watch my podcasts and my interview shows. I don't like- and Dolly Parton. Yeah, and Dolly Parton, exactly. You know the, you know the whole bit. So, <laughs> I, and I saw these clips in Zendaya was phenomenal, especially on this last episode. My timeline on Twitter was amok. I mean, I muted Euphoria. I muted Sydney Sweeney. I muted Sydney Sweeney titties. I muted so many words just so it doesn't come up on my my timeline. And yet it's still, some of those clips still managed to come through. Wow. And they were spectacular. They're beautiful. And um, one of my listeners was like, Brie, you gotta watch this episode. The episode was so great. We see, I always tweet about movies and stuff that I watch and mm -hmm. I assess the scenes. And they were like, Brie, I'm telling you, we wanna hear your like take on some of these scenes. Uh, I, I asked one of my girls if there was nudity in it and she was like, there's no nudity in it. So like, this is the one to watch. Right. I was like, and I'm shooting next week. So I was like, why not? I wanna, I know that they have phenomenal actors on that show, yeah. even though I don't like the the writing and I don't like the, from, from the first season that I sort of watched. Uh, <clears throat> anywho, I watched it. And some of those scenes were phenomenal. A lot of them were a bit chaotic, but I think that was the point. And they depicted an addict's withdrawal in such a, like a vivid way that made you feel like you weren't supposed to be watching. Here you have these terrible, flawed characters who you feel so like saddened for and you also root for. That's a testament to the writing and the actor. So, wow, I'm rambling, wow. I'm telling you, I'm coming to the end. There is this one scene that I'm not seeing people talk about. And this is what I wanna bring to our, you know, show. theology show, okay. our show based around the Bible, based around God. Mm -hmm. um, there was a scene where the protagonist of Rue, she- Rue is Zendaya, right? Yes, okay. Rue is Zendaya. And this is at the point where, this is not a spoiler. If you don't watch the show, what are you doing? Everyone has already talked about it. So I don't feel bad about revealing some of this, but her family has discovered that she has relapsed. Uh, her mom and uh, her sister off opiates badly. Hmm. She's experiencing a violent withdrawal. Hmm. Uh, so uh, the mother then, phenomenal scene, by the way. The, mo the mother takes Zendaya and her sister, they're in the car and they're literally on a freeway to rehab. Hmm. And Zendaya's crackhead ass, <laughs> she, oh, yeah. she jumps off the out yeah. of the car. And it's like leapfrog, like the, it's like a running, it's, it's 25 minutes of chaos of her running from place to place. Mm. She does parkour at one point, like at, at 40, about 40 minutes into the uh, episode five of season two, she gets caught by the police and then she gets chased by the police. <laughs> Yeah. This is what I want to dissect. You see how she had to get to her literal place of withdrawal 
to ask the Lord for something. I, the character of Rue doesn't really seem like a God-fearing person, if, I really, if I'm being honest. Mm. I also don't think that the character was written to convey that or, you know, She's, she seems like a very secular of the, you know, kind mm -hmm. of person. The first thing I thought was, oh, brothers and sisters, we don't have to wait till we are at rock bottom to ask the Lord for protection and guidance and support. Mm. We don't have to be there. We can do it when we're in a, pla in a place of mundane stableness. We can get to know that that same moment she had she could have at the grocery store at the, you know, that's the practice. I just thought it was so neat that they decided to keep that line right before impending doom, because that's an inherent thing. Right before death is close, it's, in, it's like a knee jerk reaction. You pray, that's what it is. When I, I've said it before and I'll say it again, in the a plane, plane. The when I'm in a plane and I don't care what anyone says, anytime there, I, we experience turbulence, heavy turbulence, 90% of them people, I see people's heads bowing. What, do, what are they doing? They're praying. Even if someone does it, there is no right way to play, no pray. You know, I feel like it's a, you know how cats know how to automatically go to a litter box? Yeah. I mean, I never prayed in my life and I've gone through pretty bad turbulences, but like, you know, I mean. I don't know, Clara. I don't believe you. No, I'm kidding. I'm not gonna freaking say that. Could you imagine? I don't believe you. Um, but of course, not like I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying my testimony. And you already said like 90% of the people, so I could be that one 10% that is in La Luna, you know. But um, but when you said that, when you mentioned that scene, I automatically thought of that plane situation because you always talk about these plane situation and the turbulence and so okay that may be okay not not okay so what about have you ever been in an ex, like in a place in a season where you didn't know how you were going to make it to the next week oh, yeah 100 percent. when i was in, when i was living in the uk i literally like <laughs> that was what times but yeah i um i had Enough to eat one slice of bread a day. Couldn't eat two because then I wouldn't make it to the end of the week. Really? And still I didn't pray. And I didn't believe that there was any God or any, like, I was like atheist like I am now. I was just thinking of what the fuck do okay. I need to do now to get the bread for tomorrow? Okay, wait, no, no. Okay, let's sit there. Let's sit there. What what the F do I need to do to get there? Like drawing a plan. Not. I doubt you, draw, you yeah. drew a blank. You're here today. A plan, a plan. Drawing, oh, okay. like, what plan do I have to draw? Like, I had three jobs. One was, like, coming to an end because it was, like, a temporary job. So it's, like, what's the next hustle that I need to do to keep this boat afloat? But I was, like, so, I was thinking in action, not in prayers. Like, what do I, where do I have to go tomorrow, you know, to make this happen? Okay. So what allowed you to uh, think of... I'm going to say think. That seems pretty accurate. You're saying you're thinking of a plan. Mm -hmm. What allowed you to think about hope for a better future? I, I wasn't hoping. I just, I know that one plus one is two. So if you grind and you work, you're going to get money. You're going to pay the bills, period. That's what I need to do so I can pay the bills and keep eating. 
Like it wasn't hope of, oh yeah, like tomorrow's gonna be a better day and I'm not gonna have to go through this shit. No, like it's gonna be a better day if I bust my ass off and make shit happen. So now that you're outside of that season in a much better predicament, in a healthy, beautiful, fruitful relationship, delving into new like experiences, new disciplines, you're learning on the go, you're living in New York City. how do you feel when you look back at those at those days and how would you how would you help someone that is presently in that time right now what would you say about what would you say to that person uh, i would just probably tell them do what i did and like, what was that keep the logic and keep the logic what yeah. does that mean could you say that again in a different way keep the logic means stop feeling like because i don't i'm i don't so i guess like remove the emotion of the situation because i'm a person that usually remove the emotion yeah i usually don't feel much really and mm. for the longest like if there was a little bit of emotion i'll just move it out the way so if you don't if, if you stop think so i guess i would say don't waste time on thinking whether you're good or bad or or if this can be better, it could be worse. Da, 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 da. What do you need to do to get out of this situation? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, stop thinking about the situation and, and take action to get out of it. Stop thinking about the situation and do the actions that get you. How do you say lamentarse? The lament. So like don't enough lament. Enough self, self-pity. Yeah, don't self-pity you because that's not going to take you anywhere. Sure, that's not the most productive. I I, 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 I agree with that. So if it's like, if it's not going to help you move forward to where you want to be, then stop wasting your time on it. I'm still caught up on how you can brush your emotions along like that. And for how long does that prove effective? We were just discussing that like humans aren't to be commodified and aren't these items, you know what I mean? Aren't these like robotics? I was mm-hmm. telling Clara about Hi Tangi about this NBA agent oh. that hit me up uh, because he his client wanted to date me and the way he broke it down, the second agent might I say for a second different bench warmer NBA player uh he they 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 he all his specs height age uh std apparently std free uh like just like yes it was just i swear it felt like i was telling her it felt like i was at the apple store and they were giving me a person's serial number like it was just the most insulting it was also insulting and anyways i I say this to say brush your your emotions along wow that's like I mean, that's a power I guess I don't possess. I don't know. Like to me, if it's not going to help you go anywhere, then what's the point? If it's not going to bring you where you want, then stop wasting your time. Huh. Okay. I got to think about Like, this I'm not going to get out of this situation thinking, oh, how bad this situation is and how good it could be. And that's just wasting time. Do you want to get out of this situation? Go do something about it. Hmm. 
It's I if I if you if you were to pose that question to me when I was at my uh, lowest bread or, bread yeah. slice moment, and I was currently not in that situation, and I was talking to someone who was, it would feel like a moral obligation to tell that person to empathize with that person and share our where I would ask him or her like what emotions they're going through I would actually want to sift through them but you are very you you are very like that and that's something that I like about you and maybe it's because I'm lacking it so it's like oh like a new thing to me that is like nice and you, you're a well, nice humans feel things no <laughs> you're a nice person right so it comes from a place of love and I can see that but you do tackle along emotion a lot so anything that you happens is like how do you feel about this and it's always about feeling 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 and i understand because you're a very emotional person right meanwhile to me i don't really think about feelings that often and i really don't care about feelings that often like <laughs> it's like no i'm making this face because i don't buy it you don't buy it Okay. I don't buy it. But I'm not calling you a liar. No, 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 no. It could be that I I think it's one thing and it's another way. That like that happens. I don't know. I just really don't think I have to say I'm learning though. I'm learning. Like I've been going through therapy. She's learning. I'm I've been going through therapy and I'm learning to identify and process emotions. Yeah, because I can imagine and I'm just, you know, imagining as an as a spectator, because I am a very emotional person. Um, but how like ossifying that can be to your person, your, your, you, your spirit by doing that for so long, you know, it can only, it really didn't hurt. Like it, it never, well, no, hurt. you're young. You're, you're in your thirties. You're young. You're beautiful. You're bright. I'm talking about how that ossifies later in life. And also you're like when you have children and when you, you know what I mean? I'm thinking about like later, I don't know how, um, productive that that technique will be later you know you end up discovering new layers of yourself the older you become and what do I know I mean I'm still I'm I too am young right I'm just based off of like older people that I've heard 40% of the bible is poetry yeah you know I don't know I I, I would love to I would love to dissect this more with you Clara I don't know when we'll get the time. Probably time. let us know. I know when we have when we have a another. I don't know. Let's make you be the guest next next. Uh, is it next week? Oh my gosh, we have a guest next week. Mm. We have a guest. Ne- yeah, we do have a guest next week. Stay tuned for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me think. Uh, join the Patreon. Join the Patreon, please, if you would like. If not, keep liking sharing, subscribing, share this podcast with two people. Guys, if you can remember your favorite episode of Bible Stories, write it down. If you're an Apple uh, phone owner, go to your notes, write down your two favorite Bible Stories with Brianna episodes and share with two people those episodes, please. Please, sharing is free. And all I'm saying is we're going up, it's going up. (laughs) i'm like nervous every time we start a new book i'm like oh praise jesus please take the wheel please especially this book is so hard tedious it's it's just a very complicated book and i'm thinking about the long haul of it we're about to be in is in isaiah for like 
a long time. You know, we've been in Kings and Chronicles a long time. Mm. It's about to happen with Isaiah. Mm. So I feel like I'm juggling. Okay. <clears throat> this week, we are getting into a new book, the book of Isaiah. And we're going to talk about how to be in a relationship with God. But first, I want to briefly tie a bow around where we left off last week from 2 Kings chapter 15 and 2 Chronicles chapter 26. So we end that portion of the reading by having the kingdom of Israel be on its last leg. I'm talking about both Israel in the north and Judah in the south were both, uh, you know, uh, sinking. But we already know that in the north, they were way more evil, doing way more detestable things in the sight of the Lord. So much so that Israel ends up being destroyed and taken over by the Assyrians. But before that, we God is sending kind of like a signal uh, at their rapid decline because of how quickly they went through their last five kings. I'm talking about their last five kings in the north went by like hotcakes. I'm talking about the longest one that, that reigned was 10 years. Um, but each one of them was like maybe six months, five months, three months here. And the majority of them killed the king before. That's how corrupt it was. So we went from JJ II to his son, Zechariah, which we already knew about. And then Zechariah was taken over by that by Shalom. And then uh, Shalom was taken over by Menahem. Menahem, um, also known as the house of Gadi or Gadai. Well, look at my English, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and then the house of Menahem was taken over by the house of Pika or Pekka, Pekka. And then Pekka was taken over by Hoshea. And Hoshea was actually the last reigning king of the Northern Kingdom of Israel. And then while that was going on, obviously the, the 13th King in Judah was Hezekiah, but we don't have to go there that far. We're not gonna bite up more than we can chew. The reason why I wanted to break down those last five Kings was because it further proves the what the Lord had told Jehu in first Kings, where he said, I'm going to protect the North because Jehu did what was honorable in the sight of the Lord. He followed commands. Remember, he was supposed to kill the, the house of Ahab. He did that. And the Lord told, sent a message to Jehu saying that the four generations of kings in Israel, the north, will be protected by God. Meaning they will win some battles. They will still have a, a nation. <laughs> uh, uh, but those four generations expired. And guess what? So did the Lord's insurance policy. He was cutting them off, all right? Uh, and we learn more about how the Lord cuts them off from the book of Isaiah. But hold tight, we're still in today's recap, okay? And I say this because Isaiah is a girthy, girthy book. I'm talking about 66 chapters, Okay, and this is one of the prophecy books, right? Prophetic books. The last prophetic books we had was Obadiah, which is one chapter. And then we had uh, Jonah, which is four chapters. Those are, you know, those are small, those are good. Yeah. This one's a 66, okay? Isaiah was a major prophet. And I mean, for the good portion, at least the portion that we're gonna talk about today, Isaiah is speaking to the Southern kingdom of Judah, 
uh, referencing what's going on up in the north. He's basically giving them the tea as to why they are falling apart and why the southern kingdom of Judah should be scared, okay? Now, just some details, because I like to know added details before diving into uh, any any biblical book. Isaiah was the son of uh, Amos, A-M-O-Z, and he. they say that he uh, prophesied from 740 BC to uh, 700 BC. So that's about 40 years of of being an active prophet, which is why there were 66 books. It was because 40 years is a long time. He had a whole lot of, you know, messages to, uh, you know. Deliver. Exactly, a lot of messages to deliver. And boy, does he do it. And he does not mince his words. Uh, a couple fun facts though about Isaiah. So I learned this, I learned this <laughs> from, you guessed it, the Bible recap. Oh God, Tara Lee Cobble, she's incredible. I'm telling you, we're gonna get her on the podcast one day because she's so dope and has played a pivotal role in my biblical understanding of the text, especially. Um, but she uh, shared on her show that the book of Isaiah is the most quoted book from the Old Testament in the New Testament, which is, I mean, pretty major, especially for, uh, you know, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the second little fun fact she she provided, which I know the Bible babies are going to like, is that, sh did you know that the book of Isaiah is one of the only books that is proven to be, to the T, the most accurate to the original scrolls. I'm talking about the scrolls. And this is why it's proven, Clara. It's so cool. I wanna look at you to tell you. So during Jesus's day, people, they wrote the Bibles on these long scrolls, but because of Roman oppression, they hid the scrolls in caves so no one would find them. Okay. They hid them, mm -hmm. right? In 1947, uh, uh, scrolls were discovered in a cave by the Dead Sea, which is called, that's why they're called the Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay. So in 1947, when one of the clay pots was a huge 21 foot scroll that would later, we find out, was the entire book of Isaiah, untouched, untampered with. Wow. That's why we, yeah. And they the original Hebrew is exactly to the T, to the letter, what was in that in that clay pot. Wow. I know, kind of cool. That's exciting. That I cool. know. I'm not, I'm not, listen, and Isaiah is my mom's favorite book. She's always reading it, always. I'll call her any Saturday and that girl starts and ends her day with something from Isaiah. And um, it's really rich and I'm actually a little bit nervous diving into it. Um, I don't, I feel like I'm not like wise enough to even discuss it, but the best part is we get to learn where God is in the story together. We're learning together. Bible babes, I encourage you guys to, you know, shoot your thoughts in the comments so that we can all engage with, with your findings. But today in particular, we are going to be dissecting Isaiah chapters one to five. Like I said, there are 66, okay? And we are going to, weave the book of Isaiah in 
with the other with the actual storyline. Okay, so we're not going to do all one through sixty six on the fly. Like we're, we'd be here till June just doing Isaiah. We're going to keep we're going to keep the story pushing. Oh my gosh, just wait till we get to the to the exile, the Babylon. That's a whole nother thing. Okay, we're going to tell the story and we're going to weave in these prophetic books. Ooh, and I can't wait because a lot of it's like poetry and I love me some poetry. Bible babes, grab your snacks, note takers, uh, take your notes. So chapters one through 39 is gonna be mostly about Isaiah uh, handling business with the Southern kingdom of Judah, all right? He also is gonna describe what's happening in the North and why exactly it's happening in the North and what they should do to prevent that from happening to them. Understood? Chapters 40 to 55, Isaiah shares uh, the news about an incoming Messiah. Okay? Jesus Christ, anybody? Jesus Christ, the Messiah? He basically gives uh, chapters 40 to 55 of the book of Isaiah is basically Isaiah giving the people Jesus Christ's LinkedIn profile. <laughs> Get it? Okay, and then finally, chapters 56 to 66, Isaiah talks about the final judgment and restoration of Israel, of Judah. What's gonna happen? He ends it with that, which is terrifying, but also, I don't know, kind of empowering. And I don't know, every time I get to the end of Isaiah, it's it's a tough book. It really is a tough book, especially if you're not if you don't if you're not reading it in a chronological reading order with the story. But it also gives me hope for us all, you know, despite all the 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 the, the crap that humanity is facing right now. There's something to look. There's something to live for. It's really cool. Anywho, that does it for today's recap. Our man Isaiah really is sparing no feelings in chapter one. In chapter one, Isaiah is speaking to the Southern kingdom of Judah and he is conveying that the, the Lord is at his wits end with his children. And he even refers to them in chapter one as like children of evildoers and you know how I always say that the Lord is a, a, a personal God, like he he has emotions like us, you know, and that's how we better better understand him. And in chapter one, I feel he's so tired. It feels like he's tired of 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 our choices, right? Our choices of succumbing to sin. He's seeing it all. He's witnessing it all. Even once he provides us with opportunities to make changes or, or providing us with information or prophets to, to, you know, um, um, give them opportunities to change. They keep falling, they keep falling and doing evil. And at some point, uh, uh, you know, Brie and I shout out to Brie, our, our, our co-writer of the show, just like, man, that's kind of tough to hear the Lord say that. It's kind of like my mom once said she was disappointed in me. And I was like, ouch, ouch, that kind of hurt. Ow. It kind of is like, oh, Lord, why would you say that? That's like counterintuitive. Don't you want us to change? And then I thought, hold on, hold on now. Wouldn't you be tired? Like, 
wouldn't you? Like, I would want a God that's honest, you know? I, I don't want a God that's just show boasting or like showing me something that's not like, you know, like, no, I want him to keep it real and he does. Um, and I feel like that's what's coming through. It's a sense of like, I'm hurt. I'm hurt that y'all keep hurting me. <laughs> You're hurting me. And uh, high tangy, not high tangy, but you know the song, uh, uh, Gunna's Push and Pee? You know, push, everyone's yeah, talking I know about them. Push and Pee. Yeah, yeah. Push and Pee is trending. Or whatever. I'm waiting well, for the title of the song though. It, That's why I was like, huh? It, push and Pee. It's, it originates oh. from Gunna, but uh, Pusha T created this new song. Anyways, uh, for, the, for the listeners that aren't, don't care about what the kids are doing, Push and P has been trending for the last couple of weeks. Like everyone's Push and P. We're late. It's late now by the time I'm talking about it, but it's reminding me of what Push and P means, or at least the way Gunna meant by it. Like he was conveying, like you're, you're like, you know, you're, you're a. This is the way I'm looking at it. Wow, this is how you can tell I read the Bible. But like, you're about that. You're a righteous, honest man. Like you're, you know, and then Pusha is. Um, uh, a rapper as well and he's referring to you know like pushing paper like money mm. but in a way that's like you make your own i mean this is again christian and me maybe you make your own money you don't borrow it you don't have to take it from nobody no one no one you don't call to anybody and you're able to you know use those resources to help bring up others with that money that for me is pushing p you're pushing p if you're able to do that <laughs> and in chapter one i feel like Isaiah is telling Judah, like, y'all are frauds. Y'all ain't pushing anything. Y'all are acting like you pushing pee, but actually your daddy pays your rent in the West Village, New York City, but you're flexing on the gram like you pay your own rent. That's kind of like the vibe that Isaiah is giving me. Like, you're posting that you're pushing pee, but the Lord knows that you're not, <laughs> you know? So let's hop into some scripture to hear about the Lord, uh, what the Lord is saying through prophet Isaiah. All right, guys, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter one, verse, la, 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 la. you know what? Let's, let's do, let's do chapter, uh, chapter one, verses one to six. <clears throat> the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children, have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkeys its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Hmm. In this particular vision that Isaiah 
is expressing to the people of Judah, he's not only letting us know about the Lord's disappointment and, and you know, and, and being, being done with our ish, you know what I'm saying? But that last part, I want to zoom in on. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it. The Lord knows our hearts, you know, just like remember uh, uh, last week with Azariah, before he lit the incense or whatever, he knows our heart, he knew the intention. He knew the intention of those people in the North and it wasn't good. It was irredeemably bad. Here we say there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. It felt like they kept inflicting the same wound without bandaging it up. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Whatever wound or, or ailment that they have was not being treated properly. Therefore, of course, they kept inflicting the same wounds. And that stuff is contagious. And it goes from one person to one family to one neighbor to the next pure corruption. And it kind of reminds me of when someone has, you know, like a really bad grave disease and doctors have no other choice but to amputate it. The destruction is occurring by God's actions because we got to amputate it is essentially what he's saying. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? It's a bit grim and it's a bit harsh, but I promise that the book of Isaiah is not all dishing out, you know, consequences, consequences, you know, that that, that wouldn't be effective either for a people. You know, he, the great part about Isaiah is that he also evokes hope in the people, hope for a better future, which is what a relationship with God does for us, you know? Uh, so now I want to talk about further down in Isaiah chapter one, verses 13 to 14, where the Lord addresses how some of the people in Judah, they say that they're believers in Christ, like I was saying, push and pee. So they do all the things, they do all the motions, they do the offerings, maybe they go to church, maybe they you know, wear the garments and they say that they are this, but there's still thousands of homeless people out and about, no one's tithing, no one's helping those less fortunate and needy, no one. The Lord gives us a blueprint for holiness and it comes directly from how we treat other people. You can't fake that. You can't fake the funk with the Lord. And in, the, in verses 13 to 14, the Lord says, stop it, stop it, stop it. Don't even look at me. I don't want your offerings. That's honestly insulting is what the Lord says. Let's go to the, some scripture and then we'll talk about it a little bit more. Isaiah chapter one, verses 13 to 14. Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am wary of bearing them. Oh gosh, this reminds me of when you show up for God asking for forgiveness every single time you make a mistake, asking for forgiveness, asking for forgiveness. I made a mistake, please forgive me. I made a mistake, please forgive me. What is that? That would be more offensive. I think from this reading, 
this is when I really understood for me, the Lord, ooh, I'm talking here, the Holy Spirit put this in me, uh, in my, in, on my heart. I understood here that the Lord is reasonable though. Like here he kind of re makes references to if you know better and deliberately choose not to do better, I'm judging you completely differently. And by I'm judging, I'm not the Lord, but I'm saying the Lord is judging you differently than those who don't know and they're doing the you know, unrighteous thing. The Lord provides some grace with that and he distinguishes between those two things. If you don't know any better, the Lord understands that. He reasons. You know, I, I, it kind of also reminds me of, of in Nineveh, remember? Hmm. When the Lord asked Jonah to go to Nineveh to tell them, if they repent, they, we're Gucci. And uh, um, he kind of a, provides that for people who don't know. If they don't have the tools and strategies to get to have a relationship with God, of course they're gonna fall. Our job is to help one another out. But once you're aware and once you know, then the Lord's gonna judge you you know, in a, in a different way. So that's what I'm saying. The, it's like, oh, it's like the, the Lord is such a layered, multidimensional oh, presence because yes, he dishes out the, the consequences in a very firm way, but he's also a, re, a God of reason. He understands. Oh, I want to be in a relationship with a person like that. You know? Anywho. At the end of the day, the Lord wants our hearts. That's what I want to, I'll end it with that. Like, he doesn't care about the flowers that you bring him. He doesn't care about the gifts. Doesn't care about you remembering anniversaries and special days of the year. He doesn't care about any of that. All he wants is us. All he wants is, is our heart. He wants us to want him, you know? Um, again, Bible recap, man, we should honestly pay them. We really should. We, the amount of times that I shout her out. They should pay you because you Maybe. promote them. Yeah. Every I mean, go, go there. The Bible recap is incredible. They also have, they're produced by a company called The D Group who has this amazing workbook. Clara posted the workbook here. It's like 26 bucks online. And it helps me with my Bible studies for this show, the workbook. Wow. It, you need structure when studying the Bible. If not, you're going to stop reading it. Hmm. Anywho, but she gave an example about this, about the Lord saying, I just, listen, at the end of the day, I just want your hearts. She gave an example. It's like, um, what'd she say? Oh, if your husband or your wife cheats on you uh, and they come back and they bring you flowers and they bring you all this other things, you know, because they know they messed up and all this other stuff. And then the next, like the couple weeks pass and they like think that it's back to normal because they did all these things. And at the end of the day, it's like, listen, Heart needs to be repaired. The heart needs to heal. And it's going to take more than some flowers and some nice presents mm -hmm. to, to repair it. At the end of the day, a wife or a husband, they just want your heart. They want your devotion. They want your loyalty. They want your respect. You know? Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a blatant act of disrespect to constantly, you know, disappoint someone. Same applies to the Lord tenfold. You know? That's no. a very good example. Tara Lee Cobble at the Bible recap. I'm telling you, she's so great. Now the end of chapter one closes on a scaly note. Uh, the Lord basically tells, well, Isaiah tells the people of Judah, 
what their future is going to look like a little, little bit. Like he says, you see what's happening to your brothers and sisters up in the north? Yeah, that's about to happen to you. <laughs> uh, uh, chapter 1, verses 24 to 25. Therefore, the Lord declares, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, I will get relief from my enemies and avenge myself of my foes. I will turn my hand against you and will smelt away your dross as with lye and remove all your alloy. Those are a lot of words that maybe some of us don't know. Uh, uh, dross means, uh, is a waste or, you know, como, like something that you don't really need. The Lord is basically saying, I'm going to get rid of all of that, all of those. Oh, there you go. Waste and impurities. All of those things that are impure, I'm going to eradicate them. But I also kind of just got something else from reading that, you know, because God is literally saying that he puts a fire in Israel that's going to basically refine and restore the nation. And that's exactly why he is destroying it in the first place. But he's also showing mercy because he references them as Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know that he completely toe up that place. And he's not saying that he's going to do that with Israel. He's saying the opposite. He's going to restore it. It's just going to get ugly first. I will turn my hand against you and will smelt away your dross as with lye and remove all of your alloy, all of your impurities. The impurities would be like what we decided to do using our free will. That's another thing that's revealed. We have free will to do what we, the Lord gives us free will for a reason. If we were forced to love the Lord, what love is that at all? You know, it should be a choice, you know? Yeah. And the consequences of not doing it are, that's why I say scary. I say scary, but not in a, like a horror movie kind of way, just in a, what would those consequences do to, do to his, do to me, to my spirit? Anywho, let's get to chapter two, because I could spend hours dissecting this text. But we don't have the time. <laughs> uh, chapter two. Uh, Clara, sorry. Just to quickly recap what happens in chapter two. Isaiah switches it up on the people of Judah. And he sprinkles in a little bit of hope here. He says, listen, if you repent, if you seek a relationship with the Lord wholeheartedly, then there will be redemption for you. There will be restoration for you. And... Isaiah pleads with them even. He says, in chapter two, you, you like sense it. He even discusses the Messiah coming. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. How cool, you know? Like, finally. Yes. Finally, I will be able to understand a lot of things that I can that's put right. together. Yes, Jesus. Oh, I cannot. Well, you... Jesus has been all around the readings that you've already known. I know, but I don't know his story. So oh, honey. I'll be able to understand a lot more. We're, we're, we're one chapter closer 
to that day. Like, but, remember when I asked you, like when I told you that I thought the Bible started with him? Because <laughs> uh, You're not wrong. <laughs> Clara, I don't know. You're not wrong, though, because... Meaning, this... but meaning him, como si fuera una película, like him as a child. Oh, and then uh, okay. from then onwards. No, 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 no. And that's a lot of people, right? They, they, but they... Hey, I, I've learned that with you and with Bible stories with Brianda. So. But you will, I will, I will tell you that Jesus Christ is also heavily in the Old Testament. In fact, Bible babes, Bible babes, just looking for a nice little introduction to uh, the Old Testament. A fun little thing I like to do is like find reference. Anytime they say man of God, son of God, I like pray on it. And I'm like, Jesus, that's you. Jesus, that's you. Jesus, that's you incarnate. You know, it makes the stories like <gasps> hit even more for, for any, you know, Christian believer. But in chapter two of Isaiah, uh, he gives us, like I said, he gives the people Jesus Christ's LinkedIn profile. Here are the specs. This is what he's going to do. This is what it's going to look like. He will deliver you all. All you have to do is repent like, and, and fess up, confess, confess to what you've done. Take accountability for it at least. I mean, what we live social media. Hi, Tangi. Social media. Which always, we're trying to correct, overcorrect everything. The first thing is taking accountability for the ish. Every time you hear an oppressed or minority group be like, if they get asked, all right, then what do you want us to do? The first thing they always say is take accountability. Can you blame them? You know, like take accountability. And that's kind of what uh, Isaiah is telling the people in chapter two. It's a very lovely chapter. You should go on and read it. But we are going to go to Isaiah chapter three, because like I said, it's 66 chapters and we got places to be. <laughs> Y'all hate me. I know it. I know. I definitely know some people think I'm so annoying. But the good thing is I don't care because the Lord loves me. Chapter three and Isaiah is now in his dishing out the judgments, uh, dishing out the judgments like detention slips. He, uh, I get so distracted. Sorry about that. We were hungry. Anyways, so uh, Isaiah is delivering a message of judgments and everybody gonna get these hands <laughs> from the Lord. Like he punishes, or he freaking gets rid of leaders and princes and all these other things, pa'fuera. He, anyone who never helped the poor or aided homelessness, homeless people, uh, you name it, widows, never, also you. During this point, they also highlight, which I don't know how I feel about it. I'm still working, working out my internal feelings about it. But there's a, a part where they uh, specifically regard women in Judah. Apparently, the women in Judah were super beautiful and super into their like, they all had a, you know, a beauty YouTube channel. They were all about the trends. They were very fashionistas and they, uh, you know, were ladies of the streets. You know what I'm saying? They just did their thing, the, the ladies of Zion. And they highlight this in chapter three, that they too will be judged because they, uh, I want to be specific about it. I just remember the, the, the feeling of what I was reading was these were very confident women that um, 
believed that they could get any man that they want. And the Lord was going to dead that. The Lord was actually going to make these women really ugly and was going to remove them of their jewelry and nice cities and nice things. And actually, not only was he going to remove this idea or notion of having multiple men uh, hungering for them, he was going to make them have no options for men that were going to have to choose out of desperation. That's the kind of, you know, that that's what kind of time the Lord was on. Uh, that's what the Lord was saying here. Um, I, oof, oof. It, it like, it, it definitely sends chills, chills down my spine. But in, uh, in chapter four, we're going back. Isaiah's changing his tone with Judah. And he's saying, but there will be restoration after all of this. You see, there's kind of like a little pattern. He's riding a wave of this reprimanding, punishment, consequences, hope for a better future. But like, what? Una de cal y una de arena. Lo oh. de toda la vida. Oh, what does that mean? Una de cal y una de arena is... It means como una buena y una mala. Oh, okay. Como una de cal y una de arena. Like, I mean, it's usually on a, on a negative uh, thing, you know? Like, when, for example, a toxic relationship or a toxic husband, no? Mm-hmm. Beats, you know, when, like, people physically abuse their partners. And then, like you said, oh, the next day they buy them flowers. Es como una de cal y una de arena. Oh, okay. Got so, it. Well, or, also, par- parents do that, too. Like, yeah. especially when they're reprimanding their kids. It really does feel like the Lord is reprimanding his children, is what it feels kind of like. And the only difference between this and, you know, Moses in the when he was when we were bringing the the people to the towards the promised land is that time when they were in the wilderness, the the middle, you know, that middle that limbo time. The Lord is literally being so specific. Once he gives you a critique, he gives them instruction on how to correct it. That kind of specificity is so valuable and indicative of someone who really cares. It's constructive. It's constructive. It's like, it's not hopeless. Despite all of our shortcomings and all of our flaws, the Lord still wants us to want him so badly. He gives him, like, he's giving us, he's teaching us how to love him. Oh, beautiful. Don't you want to be in a relationship with someone who values us so much? values a relationship with us so much that they give you the blueprint on how to change it. I think that's what therapists, like when they do group, I don't, I, I mean, I haven't been in a relationship in so long, but my friends who've done couples therapy, mm. they always say that when they go to bring critique, they like, they, you say the critique and then they like, you, you pitch an idea on how to best meet, how, mm. how to best, you know, mitigate the situation, how to, how to please you almost also kind of like in every intimate setting you have to teach your partner how to love you that's interesting because i always thought as i always viewed um couples therapy like you both there shitting at each other and the 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 therapist is like the referee (laughs) telling who's right who's wrong like, yeah, he's right, because you fucked up here. No, no, you fucked up here. <laughs> Bible babes, let's all just get in a group circle prayer and pray for Clara today. <laughs> you're revealing a lot about yourself today. <laughs> Hold that. 
a whole lot. And you know what? I still love you and I have faith. I have faith. Episode 80, guys. Episode 80. (laughs) This restoration will occur after the judgment. And the way the way the wording works, it's kind of like the Lord has to cleanse his space before he can before he can rebrand, <laughs> before he can restore, he wants to make sure that we're clean. Now, I know for me personally, while I was like kind of transmuting that information, what sit more truly in my spirit was healing. You know, that's why I liked more the amputating analogy mm-hmm. as opposed to cleaning. Um, he wants to make sure that that new that new nation is restored but more importantly healed you know the most successful relationships come from people that are actively seeking healing that are healed alone individually and then together they can be functioning people working together you know, in, in an ever-present kind of healing way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that that's, that kind of sits more in line with how I receive chapter four of um, chapter four of Isaiah. And actually, hi, Tangi. You know what this reminds me of? A couple things. It kind of reminds me of how I do not like people sitting on my bed with street clothes. Oh, wow. It's like- That's a thing, though. Get your dirty, what? You're dirty. Your your dirt your dirty behind that is bid on the New York City MTA is sure. on my clean sheets. Oh my gosh, high tangy off the high tangy. Or if you're a, a child of a Latino immigrant in America, I'm sure other people have this too. But you know that you had a tia or your abuelo or your abuelita or whatever who had couches in the living room covered in plastic. Like no, plastic, no con una manta, plastic. Pla- no girl, plastic. Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, you know what I'm talking about. It, you, they don't want you to dirty their stuff. They don't want chill, especially when we were kids. All them dirty ass kids. Like they, you are not about to mess up my couch. Oh. You know. So I kind of feel like the the, the, re- the restoration and like all that's like the cleansing that the judgment that leads into restoration is kind of like the Lord putting that little plastic <laughs> over the couch in that Spanish living room. Okay, <laughs> that Latino household ain't playing no games, and the kingdom of Yahweh isn't either. We have reached the last chapter of today's reading, chapter five of the book of Isaiah. And I mean, so far, we have discussed the Lord being pissed. We have discussed judgment. We have discussed hope by the promise of a Messiah. Uh, Back to, you know, being pissed. (laughs) To now, we see the Lord lamenting. Because despite efforts of, you know, providing the people of Israel with opportunities to change, no dice. And this is the point in the Lord's um, experience where it's kind of sad. He's just sad. I think sadness is always at the other end of disappointment. Um, Actually, not to bring it back to euphoria, but the beautiful part of 
that actress Zendaya's portrayal of an addict experiencing a withdrawal is uh, those that roller coaster of emotions that is really just a hyper exaggerated, amplified, extreme version of what we experience when we're in deep pain. The highs and lows, the highs and lows, and uh, that's Zendaya did such a good job at conveying like. A need for a change, a need, well, a need for a re-up, a need for a fix, but also like a cry out for help, sort of. Not to say that the Lord is is um, an addict or whatever. I'm I'm strictly talking about the layered experience of pain. Uh, and uh, let's hop into some scripture to hear more of the Lord's uh, lament. Isaiah chapter five, verses one to six. Grab your snacks because it's lengthy. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning this vineyard. Oh, remember in Matthew? Oh, you haven't read Matthew. Read the Bible, Clara. <laughs> oh, when Jesus refers to his, himself as the vine. Oh, anywho. Isaiah chapter five, verses one to six. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning this vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? One more was there to do for my vineyard when I have not done in it. When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it wield with grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break it down its walls and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. You know, that's that that's the tone of a God who's hurt and just like now I'm just sad. You know, now you get none of it, you know. Um and we can tell that the Lord is distraught here. And um High tangy, not high tangy. Again, this is a great time for you Bible babes to leave a comment on what the Lord's lamentations evoke in you. Because right now, I, my heart's breaking a little bit. Even when you read it, it's like, whew. Could you imagine being in a, wanting to be in a relationship with someone and having them completely like disregard you every time and you love them so much. You love them and you know that loving them would like make you better. It's the one thing that makes it different from being in a human-human relationship. It's because again, our Lord is our sovereign father. You know, that's why I, I, I'm using the example figuratively to push this idea along, especially for babes in the faith. Hello, that's, that's our main demo. Uh, but could you imagine how disappointed the Lord may be when he sees his children um, receive his blessings actively 
and he doesn't like get any kind of acknowledgement. If anything, the world gets more acknowledgement. Like the thanks is given horizontally and nothing gets absolutely nothing. Oh, it kind of stinks because it always be the people that like do the most that get the least amount of acknowledgement. Like my mom was the matriarch of our household. She did everything for us. She made all of our appointments. She cooked everything. She cleaned. She did everything for us. And yet, like me, my mom, and my me, my sister, and my dad, like never like made her a birthday thing. Like we did it once maybe, and yet she did so much for us. Or like you know when you see all these like stars getting their awards, their fancy little trophies and all this stuff. They thank all these people. And the Lord is lucky if he gets a thank you at the end of everything. And it's quick. It's like, thank you. Thank you to my husband. Thank you to my baby. Thank you to my label. Thank you to my this. Thank you to the fans. Thank you to that. Oh, and of course, thank you, Jesus. Thank my Like, <laughs> always get the last of it. It's like, if I'm the Lord, I'd be like, well, man. <laughs> Like, what am I, a potted plant? What am I, I get nothing? I have questions, though. I just, I don't want to make them because we're never going to finish this episode. Make but... one. No me encaja. Because, so when you have deception, it's because you had expectations. And I would imagine the Lord should know better. Right? Know better th for what? Like to have expectations on something. Like if he has everything. The Lord doesn't have expectations. The Lord already knows. That's what I'm saying. If he already knows. So for you to get deceived on someone, it's because you had expectations and those expectations didn't were meet. Yeah, uh, I, I, the Lord, we're so, the Lord is so merciful. The Lord is, we have free will and that's not an accident. We're allowed to make choices. Yeah, but well, then he gets disappointed. And then he gets sad. When we make sad. the wrong ones or the ones that disrespect him or the ones that like do not honor him or the ones that the worst ones are the ones that say they honor him and they do the opposite. Yeah. I still feel like sometimes the Bible pictures God as an entity so above human um, nature that we could never understand. Mm-hmm how he works or things or process stuff, but yet he has so many like human traits yeah. that wouldn't really align. Like if I okay. were to design a higher entity, like you couldn't. Yeah. But like if I were to design a higher version of myself, let's say not bring it to God because you're going to keep like pushing it down. But if I were to, design a higher version of whatever average human is in society today, something like that, I wouldn't include it because... Why wouldn't you include it? No, because like, that sounds petty to me. So you want a dictator? No, no, not a dictator. I agree with the free will of, I let you choose Humanity. whether you want to follow me or not or love me or not. But then having these, oh... Like I'm giving, I'm giving you all of these, but then if you don't give me the recognition, I'm gonna be sad. 
Well, that's like a little. Can I can I say something? Yeah. And I'm sorry you, if you're feeling this way. Then maybe others are too. Two things: the Lord doesn't need us to do anything. The Lord doesn't need recognition. Like I said, it's what's attached to that disregard. The disregard attached to that disregard is your 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 uh, like an, a hardened heart, a heart that doesn't help the poor, a heart that doesn't love thy neighbor, a heart that is deceitful. If you're deceitful towards him, what are you doing to your friends and family? And so you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's what's attached to that. And yeah, the Lord is a personal God as well. I'm a Christian, right? So we believe in the Holy Trinity. The Lord is three persons. The Lord is our sovereign Father. That idea, that that same, you know, omnipotent uh, being that you were describing. It is that. That's mm-hmm. the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, it, the, the one that we were describing that we can't wait to get to, mm-hmm. Jesus. That's actually already in the in the in the. In the Old Testament as well, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, which is just what you think it is, a Holy Spirit that is possessed in our brothers and sisters in order to get to know God more. They work in tandem. They cannot be separate. They are all God. And the the God is in the flesh is not meant to um, demean him or bring him down a couple levels. No, in, in my faith, that human level, that personal level allows us to even understand, to even get a glimpse of an understanding of that power. It, and in understanding that we then understand one another better too. You know what I mean? It's, it's, um, we don't understand God if not through all three, if not all through, if not by the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. They're, like I said this before in last week's episode, it's like the ultimate lawyer. We have to lawyer up to approach the bench, right? Mm. That's kind of how it is. I know we want to um, wind down, but having a, a human, having a, a God that is a personal God as well is how you develop a relationship with the Lord. I'm not sure many of us would be able to uh, um, understand wholeheartedly or even willingly give our lives or surrender our lives in being saved and being delivered if the Lord did not present himself through the son, you know? We wouldn't be able to, it would be, it would be useless. We are, we, it would be useless for us. It would be like explain, I say it again. It would be like explaining Chinese algebra to an ant. We would not be able to comprehend or compute that level of the, the eternal truth. So do you think most people, and by most people I think because that's how I was picturing it, and I'm just assuming that most people are not every same, religion. I'm like, sorry, I cut you off. Not every religion believes in the Holy Trinity. By the no, way, no, no, no. Do you, would you say that most people, when they think of God, and by most people I mean probably people that are, they may be religious, but they haven't like really studied the Bible like that or people that are non-religious, do you think that when they speak of God or when they think of the idea of God, for some reason, the, the omnipotent presence type of version is the one that lands the most, but then they don't see the other side, or they yeah. don't in the other two sides? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, I also think that Christianity is so... It's the truth because of that. That's why, because there are other faiths, there are other sects of religion, there are other 
sects of Abrahamic religions that do not believe in the Holy Trinity, uh, who who solely believe in the omnipotent being that is, you gotta rise up to the occasion or you're kaput. Whereas this is what I this is how I know it's the truth with Christianity. We see, we have a Lord that kind of reaches down to us a bit. Whereas other religions I view as we have to reach so high up, like stand on our tippy toes to even try and be this, this version that he would like us to be. And what drew me in what finally was like hook, line and sinker for me with Christianity and a belief in Christ is that there was a hand reaching down a bit. And that's just how I know that, that's how I know that this is the truth. Actually, I wanted to ask you something earlier, and you're going to hate me because we're not going to end this, but you asked me what did I do when I was on like my lowest or my hardest times of my life. You have been a non-believer for most of your life. And I would risk and say that your lowest or hardest part probably, or one of the hardest parts of your life probably happened when you were a non-believer. What did you do to get through it? Uh, music, art, um, I would, yeah, writing songs, writing songs, what else? But I was lost. I was also working at bars and drinking. I would drink, I would drink, and I would do things that, anything to numb it. Anything to, you know how you're saying you push your emotions aside? I did the same thing. I did it with alcohol. I did it with weed. Some would say I even did it with psychedelics, even though Jesus Christ hoodwinked me because like I said, no sin can thwart the Lord's plans. If you're doing something, the Lord will spin it. I told you, the Lord is the ultimate DJ. He's a GPS. You know? So yeah, exactly. For me, the Lord used it in his favor, praise Jesus, that that happened fortunately for me. But uh, yeah, I would, I would sex too and sex more specifically drunken sex, like of all the sex I had, which is the last time I had it, I was a non-believer, right? Um, I was drunk for 90, 80% of it. Why is that? Wow. You know, like, yeah, I would do anything in my po impossible to push the emotions away, like you said, I would, but I would do it through substances and stuff. Mm. Uh, and then the other more productive way would be through like music. And I was distracted because I was constantly auditioning too. So that was good. But then the failure or rejection was compounded by, you know, lot of motivation, loss of motivation, uh, kind of this like feeling like none of this matters. I was lost, lost in the sauce for real. We all been, we have to be at some point. But yeah, in a, in a way it kind of mirrors what you, what you said too. Moving, pushing your emotions aside, except mine was not healthy. I don't know how you do it still. And I still don't know how I you did it. I don't know if it was healthier or not, but at least mine was cheaper. <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> Girl, oh, I get it. Um, wait, are we at the moral of the story already? I don't know. You tell me. You're the director. Am I the conductor? Yeah, you're the conductor. You're I, the say, I say, oh, well, he's the boss. Not of this show. <gasps> He's the protagonist, but 
Clara, he is the director, the cinematographer, the director, also the star of the show. No. He's everything, Clara. You are. No, no, I am me because he made me. He is this. The reason why I'm so confident in my abilities and I know I'm the ish is because he tells me. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, let's go to moral of the story. Moral of the story is. God wants to be in a relationship with us so badly. He wants to be in a deep forever kind of marriage with us. Actually, wait. He's kind of like our fiance, if you think about it. And don't get weird, okay? I'm speaking figuratively. Yes, he is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But our devotion to him should be like that of a fiance's promise. Times a billion, okay? We finally see and hear from God in an undeniable soliloquy of retribution through Isaiah promoting the promise of his prophecy on a fallen people that he loves so much, like in the southern kingdom of Judah. We think our sins are discreet and we can get away with them by masking it with our warped version of good, but like the Northern Kingdom of Israel, we also defy the Lord openly and choose to revere everything on earth that he gave us, except for him. And we do all of this because we think we have time before the sun comes or worse. We, we think we are wiser than God. Even though the Lord's judgment seems a bit harsh at times, he always reasons with us and gives us the opportunity and counsel to be saved from his wrath. That's why Isaiah pairs the scary consequences that greed, malice, pride can bring with a promise of hope for a better future. He wants us to want to be closer to him. And he's ready. He's been ready. Listen, I don't know if he's down on one knee, but he's already popped the question. Quick, we're on the Jumbotron. What do you say? <gasps> Ooh. Oh, I just told them we're on the Jumbotron. Yeah. What do you say? He's waiting on your answer if you want to just let him know what you said. I'm just going to say you said yeah. Yeah, they said yeah. We're still working on Clara. Episode 80. Episode 80. <sighs> <laughs>